ransomware hits a hotel but doesn't hold guests hostage. And U.S. President Donald Trump drafts a cybersecurity executive order. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Matthew Schwartz. What could spoil wintertime at a four-star lakeside hotel hidden away in a picturesque Alpine Pass in Austria? Ransomware. In recent days, news broke that the 111-year-old Sea Hotel Jagerwurt was struck by cybercriminals who infected the electronic locks used on the hotel's rooms with crypto-locking malware and then demanded two bitcoins, or about $1,600, for a decryption key. Some initial reports suggested that many of the hotel's 180 guests had been trapped inside their rooms, while others couldn't gain access to their suites for the duration of the ransomware attack. Talk about an Internet of Things disaster. The Hollywood horror film virtually writes itself, with innocent skiers locked into their rooms by malevolent viruses, a clock counting down at the front desk computer until it would be too late for any ransom payment to be accepted. Thankfully, that's not actually what happened. According to two local media reports, the hotel has confirmed that it suffered a ransomware attack at the start of the busy winter ski season. But the attack didn't prevent anyone from getting into or out of their rooms, thanks in part to fire code regulations, which require people to be able to exit a room no matter the state of an electronic door lock. What did the hotel do, though, in the case of the ransomware infection? The answer is it paid up on account of having all of its rooms booked out, as well as the hotel having been empty before the season started, during which time none of its IT systems were being backed up, meaning that it would have lost all of its reservations, as well as various administrative documents. The hotel says the decision to pay was also driven by it being unable to create any new key cards for three weeks. To the hotel's credit, however, since that incident, it's spent 10,000 euros, or about $11,000, improving its computer systems, including putting more robust backup processes in place. And those investments appear to be paying off. Shortly after the ransomware attack, the hotel suffered another one. But in this instance, it was able to just take systems offline and wipe and restore them without having to pay any ransom, reports the online news site Bleeping Computer. Security experts and police have long advised ransomware victims to never pay up, as it incentivizes criminals to keep attacking. Instead, they recommend having a backup and disaster recovery plan already in place, so victims can simply restore their systems. And, as a final defense, the Austrian hotel has one last trick up its sleeve. When the hotel next gets refurbished, management has decided to revert to old-style door locks that get unlocked using real keys rather than key cards. When it comes to defending internet-connected and network devices against ransomware attacks, at least for one hotel, the most elegant solution includes going back to the future. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. ATMs continue to be under fire as criminal gangs have successfully pulled off some lucrative heists. Here's ISMG security and technology editor Jeremy Kirk with a tale of money mules and cybercrime rings. ATMs have been in focus as cybercriminals showed last year how they could pull off jaw-dropping heists in Asia. But law enforcement has been successful in one of those cases. Taiwan has sentenced three Eastern European men to five years each in prison. The men allegedly took part in a quick strike against ATMs which involved malicious software. 
2.7 million dollars was stolen over a weekend from 41 ATMs belonging to First Commercial Bank. And European authorities say they've arrested two more men in Belarus and Romania who are connected to the same attack. The three men in Taiwan originally came from Latvia, Moldova, and Romania. They were dispatched by the crime ring to Taiwan for the risky operation of withdrawing the money from the infected ATMs. Such people are referred to as money mules. The Taipei Times reported that the men will be deported after serving their sentences, but many others suspected of participating are still at large. Authorities are seeking 19 other money mules who fled Taiwan after the thefts. The banking industry has seen an uptick in attacks against ATMs. Shortly after the Taiwan incident, three groups of men working in six provinces in Thailand commanded 21 ATMs to disgorge around $350,000. In another development, the Russian security firm Group IB said in November that a criminal group named Cobalt had struck ATMs across Europe and Asia. Europol says the crime ring used complex methods for their attacks. The cybercriminals gained entry through First Commercial Bank's network in London. They compromised the bank's internal network after sending spear phishing emails with malicious attachments. If the attachments are run, a computer becomes infected with malware. Europol says the group used other special programs to delete traces of their activity. Although most of the money has been recovered, the incident highlights continuing problems with ATM security. Taiwan's incident stands out since the attackers compromised the bank's network from London, showing how poor security in other places has knock-on consequences. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. President Donald Trump has signed a flurry of executive orders in recent days, and he's reportedly preparing to sign another one, calling for a review of the nation's cybersecurity capabilities and vulnerabilities. For more information, I turn to ISMG's executive editor, Marianne McGee. Hello, Marianne. Hi, Matt. What do we know about the cybersecurity executive order so far? Well, we don't know if it's actually going to be issued, but the Washington Post reported on the 26th that it had obtained a copy of this pending executive order. And as of the morning of January 30th, nothing has shown up on the White House site about it. But basically, the order calls for a review within 60 days of the nation's cybersecurity capabilities and vulnerabilities, a review of the nation's cyber adversaries, and it also calls for identifying a, quote, initial set of capabilities needing improvement to adequately protect U.S. critical infrastructure. What is your reaction to this order? Is this uncovering any new ground? Or are these questions that we might already know some of the answers to? Well, some experts who are closer to, you know, advising and working with the government than me have said that basically what this executive order looks like it'll be doing is what we should be doing anyway. And that's assessing what we know in terms of the realities that the U.S. faces. Tom Kellerman, who is a cyber intelligence expert, told me that he really didn't see anything particularly new about what is being proposed in this executive order. Kellerman says that what the administration really needs to do is to look at the recommendations that were made recently by the Bipartisan Commission on Cybersecurity. With those recommendations in mind, are there any points that you would like to see expressed in the cybersecurity order which maybe aren't there yet? The Center for Strategic and International Studies, in their recent report, 
that includes recommendations for the Trump administration when it comes to its cybersecurity agenda. They highlighted a number of areas, but some of the key areas include suggestions that Trump and his administration should decide on a new international strategy to account for a very different and dangerous global security environment that we're in, making a greater effort to reduce and control cybercrime, accelerating efforts to secure critical infrastructure and services, and also improving cyber hygiene across economic sectors, identifying where federal involvement in resource issues such as research or workforce development is necessary, and also considering how to organize the U.S. effort to defend cyberspace. For instance, clarifying the role of the Department of Homeland Security, you know, what they should be doing, where those areas need to be strengthened. And it does sound like some of the executive order looks at some of this, but I think it probably needs to dive in deeper. So the jury's still out whether the executive order and then what comes after that will incorporate some of these suggestions that we've been hearing. That's right. Interesting times. Thank you very much, Marianne. Thanks, Matt. Finally, A recent report from Shodan, which is a search engine for internet-connected devices, highlights how even the biggest and baddest vulnerabilities don't get fixed overnight. Take Heartbleed, the nickname for a vulnerability in OpenSSL that attackers could exploit to spy on people's communications. When the flaw was found and publicized in April 2014, scans revealed 600,000 vulnerable servers. But three years later, nearly 200,000 servers are still vulnerable despite a high-profile alert campaign and regular warnings from security experts. Then again, as of December 2016, one market research firm reported that 10% of internet-connected desktops and laptops were still running Windows XP, which Microsoft stopped supporting, updating, or securing in 2014. As that highlights, no matter the security risks, old technology never dies, but just seems to fade ever so slowly away. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Catch you next time.